Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. This year, in our, for our reading series, we're doing something a little different than what we've done in the past. I bet you didn't know that there are two different sets of lectionaries in the church. There is the three-year series and the one-year series. The three-year series is relatively new, at least in the history of the church. It came out of uh, the Catholic Church and, all, and there's some Protestant churches working together only 40 or 50 years ago. Uh, I think it was Vatican II, the Council of Vatican II, that uh, made it official uh, in the Catholic Church. And that's what much of the Christian church in America, at least, uses throughout uh, through our readings. It's a three-year cycle. Every year it, it gives new and different readings. The one-year cycle goes back much, much farther than that. In fact, Martin Luther preached from the one-year cycle, and it goes even before that. Uh, it was traditional for them. It's long history in the Christian church, and that's what we're doing here this year, because I thought it'd be fun. Actually, one of the great benefits of, of using this for, for me is that I get to go back and read the sermons of the church fathers as they follow this cycle. Uh, and Martin Luther uh, published a series of sermons that were following this church year called Postals. A postal wasn't intended to be preached. It was a sermon that uh, you could have, that you would send out to, to people in case there wasn't a pastor. So, Martin Luther starts off his postal on this particular reading by calling out the guy who arranged the, the actual lectionary. He starts out something like this. Can you believe the bonehead that decided who was, where this would be divided? What an idiot! He, he should have started six verses ago. Kind of funny, right? Luther never pulled his punches, but he was right. The beginning of our epistle reading starts in the middle of a section. It starts with the words, having, and then continues. It's actually the end of a sentence. It starts out like this. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For, as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. So you see, St. Paul uses the beginning of our reading today, that section on having all of these gifts, as a, as a part of a wider argument. He starts out with this image of the body of Christ, how people are united together in one Savior, Jesus Christ. And he gives us this, this image to help us understand that we all, you and me and everybody in this church, are united together as one people in him. He says that we're not supposed to think of ourselves more highly than we ought because we're all members of this body together. That, of course, points to the grace that God has given us through Jesus Christ and that we're all in the same place, sinners 
in need of a Savior. doesn't matter who you are or what you look like. Everybody needs the same grace to be saved, which Jesus won for us on the cross. And that grace that he brings to us makes us members of his body. What St. Paul then says is this. He says, For by the grace given to me I say to everyone among you, and then he later says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. This is a little, a little strange. He tells us, on one hand, that there's all this grace that we all have individually, and yet there's grace that's different. St. Paul uses two different definitions for grace, two different kinds of grace in this section. Uh, first, the gift of grace that we have in Jesus Christ, saving grace, is the same. When Paul talks about the grace of God given to justify us and make us uh, holy, to give us eternal life that unites us with Christ and brings us into the body, this grace is all the same. But then he also uses grace in a different way that's totally different from that first kind. Grace that is given to us for particular offices and particular jobs. Throughout the New Testament, Paul refers to the grace that was given to him as being made an apostle and preaching to the world. And so this here, he says, by the grace given to me, I say to you, he's pointing to the office that he was given. That he was given this role of preaching and teaching to the world, especially the Gentiles. And so he continues using that idea of grace to talk about the many gifts that we have. All sorts of things that God gives to his church. There's a list. He says, If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So there's a whole list. It's uh, prophecy, service, teaching, exhor exhortation, contributing, leading, mercy, all of these gifts that are given into the church. These gifts come from the one grace, saving grace, God gives to you by bringing you into the body, and then it displays itself in a lot of different ways. This grace of different gifts that he gives each of us. And these gifts are for use within the church. How do we know that? The word choice that St. Paul uses in the beginning, when he says the word prophecy, now, for us, many people think of prophecy and we think about predicting the future. That's what uh, we, we focus in on with the Old Testament prophets. We look at the, the, the predictions of destruction and we look at the, the predictions of a Messiah and that's what we really focus in on. But most of Old Testament prophecy is just like a sermon. The prophets look back at what God said in the covenant and then they apply it to the people. And really, that's what prophecy primarily was. When St. Paul uses this word, he uses it as 
as a substitute for preaching that's different from the word that is typically used as preaching. When he uses the word that's translated as preaching, it is almost always used outside of the church. Proclamation of the gospel to people who don't already believe. Prophecy, on the other hand, is within the church. The proclamation of God's message to his people, to the building up, the teaching, the edification, the growth of his church. All of these gifts, then, God gives out of his love and his kindness and his grace for us to use among one another. He gives us all of these gifts to build each other up. So how do we do that? Now, you're probably thinking that I'm going to talk to you about support and and volunteering in the church, that uh, you should all uh, take up those two council positions that are, are there and, and volunteer and all of that. You know, I don't really think that that's what St. Paul is talking about here. You see, there's a difference between the church inc. and the church. The church incorporated is that thing that's registered with the state of Illinois. It's got a a tax ID number and an IRS number that says that we're tax exempt. It files paperwork. It's got a constitution, a board of directors, all of those things. But that's not really the definition of church. In Paul's day, they didn't have that. There was no IRS to register their church with or documents to sign or voters' assemblies to have. The church was just God's people. Sure, there were some institutional parts of it. You can look at Acts and see the deacons who were there to make sure that the distribution of food worked well. But what I think he's saying here is that these gifts that God gives to his church are to be used in an individual way, to individual people within them. Now, sometimes I think this is hard for us. I remember when I I first came here, we had uh, uh, people who would come to me and say, Pastor, you know, I would love for us to start calling the people who haven't been here in a while. I said, yes, that's a great idea. So they told me, why don't we get together a committee and we can form a plan and we can say, I will call them up and say, hey, I'm I'm part of the calling delinquent members committee at Concordia Lutheran Church. We would love to have you back. And I asked them, Do we really need a committee for that? Do we need to have the stamp of approval from the the council to say, call members? Can't you just say, hi, my name is, and I'm worried about you. I haven't seen you in church in a little while. Why don't you come visit? What's the difference between the two? Sometimes I think we need the stamp of approval as if our one-on-one relationships don't count, as if Christians within the church can't show love to each other unless there's a program or a plan or some sort of designated authority. But that's not how the church is supposed to function, is it? We don't need a committee to tell us that we're supposed to help each other or love each other or serve each other or encourage each other. God wants us to come and offer this kind of help, our generosity, our care, our love, our comfort to each other when we see need. 
That's what Jesus did for us. He didn't decide to go to the synagogue and and use the the organization of the church there to bring us his love and peace. No, he went to the individuals to heal them and, and talk to them and preach to them. And then he went to the cross to give you all eternal life. And he comes to you one-on-one in baptism, to bring you into this wonderful family of God, his body, to give you the life that he won for you on the cross, and then the gifts that come from that. He calls us then to live in generosity and love and care individually to each other. So when we see a problem, we're there to help. What does that mean? It means... If someone in the congregation loses a job or can't pay their mortgage or anything like that, it's our job to take care of them. To offer up in generosity. If someone is in sick and in the hospital, we don't have to wait for a visiting outreach committee to go and take care of them. It's your job and my job. If someone is sad or hurt or depressed, we don't have to wait for someone official to take care of them. We just go. Because that's what the body of Christ does for each other. That's why Jesus gives us these amazing gifts by his grace. So that we can point each other to the love of Christ. So that we can be an expression of his unifying power. We can help each other. Because Jesus has bound us together. This is why we have received this kind of grace. Because Jesus knows that his people will need love and care. Jesus knows that his people, who he's gathered together around him, need from each other when we face problems. And he calls us to do just that. In his name, amen. Let's stand and greet each other in the name of the Lord.